And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod. We're here. We're back. Another week, another dope podcast for you, the listening audience. My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim One. I am joined by the plaid-clad Nate LeBlanc. What's happening, man? Good. I thought for a second you were going to say Dodd-Bod Rop-Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going into some kind of uh, perhaps Eurasian accent. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm like, is that waspy? Yeah. <laughs> do, I have a, do I have a pipe? Like, what's going on? No. You good, though? Oh, you know. I'm fine. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for asking. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm just kind of, um, you know, trying to get into this whole like the pandemic's over thing because it's not really. Is it though? No, but it's kind of like when when everybody pretends like an album is cool and then you're like, is it cool? Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, like I is it naming Daytona cool? the album of the year in 2018? I held my breath. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> Taking it back. Yes. So I'm trying to navigate. Um, uh, yes, it's another push your T moment for me when people were literally like, Damone is Yuck. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I just feel weird. I'm walking into places with the mask on and people are like, yeah, you're ki-, you know, kind of like you're killing the vibe, bro. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, but anyway, speaking of uh, pandemic induced angst, <laughs> we have Mr. David Ma. What's going on, man? Yo. Good to be here, you guys. Yeah, speaking of killing the vibes. It's, yeah, exactly. that's, uh, <laughs> that's my cue, you guys. Um, he's, he's it's chat. good to be here, man. Good to be here. Um, yeah. Really excited for today's chat. And uh, yeah, yeah th- things have been going well, especially after uh, last week's episode. So oh, shout man. out to DMC once again and, every, and everybody who supported. I mean, we're, we're honored to be there. We're just, we're so just sitting here being like, that was so good. I know. That was a good show. Remember when he wore the Kazals? You know, like, yeah. It's just funny because I'd never say stuff like this. But like, last week we had the best rap podcast. Like, okay. I'm, I'm 100% certain of it. Like, calling it. A lot okay. of our good friends are in between seasons or whatever. So it's a little less controversial to say that right now. But like, yeah. I, I listened to pretty much everything. And I'm like, last week. You were confident that we, killed that we it. had it. Like, okay. That's a, one, that was a great booking. Two, we kind of kept it by surprise we didn't tease it mm-hmm. as yep. much as one might if they were yep. and maybe we should have uh, that's something you guys and we can discuss Ooh. later but when we when we came out with it and people were like holy shit you got dmc from run dmc yes <laughs> he was so cool yeah. and he told so us cool. we should have a fucking tv show like it was like the best thing that ever happened to me <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know nate we got we got guests coming up in the future that were uh you know had some other effusive praise and advice for you so um that was uh foreshadowing there uh <laughs> yeah yeah big big interview shout out to y'all for for holding that one down i got to listen to it as a listener um and and just enjoy it because when i listen to interviews that i'm part of i'm it's there's just an element of cringe i can never sure. i can never quite fully enjoy the interview so in the times when is it like a not wanting to hear your own voice thing it's a little bit of that, although less so. I've gotten over, over that, that I have to o- say, yeah. over the years. I think it's more like, did you really have to say, um, did you say have to say kind of three times? It was a simple question. Why was it so hard for you to get out? Like, I just get in this really 
I spin a little bit when I, I listen to myself too much. So um, I try to do like, you know, every four to six weeks, I'll be like, we have a dope ass podcast and I'll kind of go through <laughs> the interviews and like kind of skim. But it, it's it's a little bit hard for me. I'm, I'm easily annoyed by myself. Um, but hopefully y'all aren't. And you've listened to our DMC interview. If you haven't, I would suggest that you go peep that right now. We have another dope interview lined up that we'll get to in just a bit. But before we do, I want to talk about rompilations or mm. as the rest of the uh, country calls it, <laughs> compilations. Um, rap comps are kind of, I'm not going to say they're, they're antiquated. I feel like we don't get as many of them as we used to. Right. Uh, Peter Rosenberg's real late comp is, is a good example of uh, a good rap comp. And, you know, he, he'll talk about that in the interview, but yeah, it just got me thinking about what are some of the fave rap comps of all time? I feel like the West coast in particular um, has been an, an innovator in this realm. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically of kind of like Master P's uh, when, when he was coming out of, out of Richmond, uh, Master P's uh, model, uh, with his kind of West Coast Bad Boys compilations. Um, I'm thinking about the stuff that came out of Project Bloat and Beneath the Surface, right, this idea right. of getting a bunch of different rappers together um, and having different tracks on an album. But now we must go to Sammy Semantics for the definition of a rap compilation and how does it differ from a mixtape? Sammy Semantics, take it away. Okay, I'm so glad you called on me so I didn't have to butt in because this is exactly what I want to talk about. So it's, <laughs> it's not a mixtape, right? Okay. And it's not a producer album. Okay. And it's certainly not a playlist. Ooh. So there's like, I think, I think the death of the compilation rests at the feet of like playlist culture. Mm -hmm. Like anyone right. can make a compilation at That's any time. That's exactly it. We all okay. do, right? Okay. So we're all little curators in our own little okay. world. Basically since the invention of the iPod and iTunes, like... Okay. The, there's been less need for compilations come to come out. And just to kind of second what you were saying earlier about what makes a good compilation, uh, I think rap compilations specifically are really helpful when they're like a tour guide for kind of an unwieldy scene. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. when there were a lot of songs that were only available on 12 inches, but you could get the CD okay. compilation or they were like Lucy's or like kind of lesser tracks from bigger artists. Like, uh, right. For me, a lot of the compilations that I really like are were kind of like from the backpack rap or independent hip hop world because you could mm -hmm. not find this stuff. It was like pre-internet as we know it, but while CDs were a real thing, so you could get your hands on a CD and learn about like 15 new acts. Mm -hmm. And to me, the power of the compilation is not necessarily with the curator, it's with the other acts that are on the comp because they act as kind of implicit cosigns. Right. Now, while those are intended or not, you're like, all right. Well, if you're down with X, then I'm, I'm, then that's good, right? Right. So, that's what I was gonna say, Nate. Um, that that you know, like a, a really good comp, especially the area you were talking about. They're like subversive business cards. You know, you go to Chili's, uh, you get the sampler platter. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So that that's always sort of been the reason that they have stood out to me and especially i mean a fucking good comp if you get 12 songs and you know nine of them you've never heard of those artists that's a fucking win yeah yeah totally yep 
and then yeah. you have you have comps that like define scenes like i'm thinking of the first uh bomb records compilation right. that right. basically tells the world what turntablism and scratch music totally. is it's like totally. still probably the best thing from that era like you could say your wave twisters or your d styles first record is like oh, a better album but right. like in right. terms of like introduce it like you could still be going to club nights just based on who was on that compilation like oh, i'm gonna go see true. dj craze i'm gonna go see Mixmaster yeah. mike i'm yeah, gonna go geez, see peanut yeah. butter wolf you know totally, what i mean like totally um so that, that's what i mean by like those it, it helps like focus unwieldy scenes and right. then I, I also love a label compilation like the mm-hmm. double cassette tape of death Ro- death row in its prime um Ooh, i forget what the yeah. compilation was called yeah. but I, th- I think it's actually four cassettes if yeah. I remember wow. two cds it's a, four cassettes it's a brick of cassettes yeah. i remember i had to get it behind the counter at tower um when that was still a thing <laughs> <laughs> i think i had just turned 18 because oh like, that's right because of the advisory, advisory warnings yeah but like yeah i mean that didn't leave my car for like years like until yeah. my car didn't have a tape player it's not that right. the tape stopped being good it's that the car didn't work anymore you know what i mean right so, uh, you know, we're we're sort of the last generation of really significant compilation projects as That's well i mean because due to the playlists the playlist culture and like you were saying compilations sit at the feet of playlists now and it like it makes sense to me but i mean dude especially like 1999 onward there were so many killer yeah, compilations yeah. man yeah like absolutely. defining defining uh, Dave, like uh, Dave, to I'll your give point you one i know we're both into uh, strength magazine presents subtext yes sir that is Heck like yeah. the shit good one dude. yeah i love love that compilation um, and i'm not that... including beneath the surface in here because it's a pro- producer album that feels like oh, a comp, okay. but same okay. same exactly. thing of like telling all these la dudes and bay dudes like who each other are and like what mm-hmm. that scene represented I, th- I just think that's so totally um we've brought this up many times but the defenders of the underworld comp yes mm. um battle axe uh, i believe uh, canada mad child you know but yep. that sort of like you know that was just like um uh, a compilation of all the best sort of uh underground rap at the moment too and like you know yeah we've all heard adele but it was like a killer del cut right. oh, we've yeah. heard, oh we've all heard a mocha only but it was like his best song it's like yeah. you know like yeah. that moment was definitely magical um a couple other comps i thought about was uh how about deep concentration yes oh speaking of yeah the, the first two volumes are amazing and then the third volume has a finger bangers track so i remember being so <laughs> proud to buy that totally uh, because it That's had right. my friends on it and it's right. from a time when like we we would listen to the compilations to like we would be on the compilation oh, 100%, say we, 100%. very loosely because I am zero <laughs> compilations. Yeah. Name um, Blanc and Deep Concentration. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I, so Prince Paul, Babu, Mumbles, just like, yeah. yeah. And that was an interesting moment too, because you had kind of your trip hop, your turntablism, and your underground hip hop, your Sayas and Yeshwazes, right. all intermingling. And that, that was like the stew that we were listening to. It wasn't just yeah. one thing. It was like beat music, hip hop, turntablism it didn't yeah. seem as different i i almost want to say that's a precursor to low end theory you know what i mean the sort of the sort of future primitive sessions yep. where it's yep down tempo turntablism weirdness electronic you know what i mean no, totally that's, that's and a, a great, great those green cover on the second one um a painting and that has one of my favorite turntablism tracks ever the scratch perverts um, mm. song that's on there which i think is just like definitive of how you make a dj song and the first one had this photo of uh 
the red October chemical storage facility, which was cut Kevin's yes. home studio with the meters yeah. record pulled out. That's and I'm dope. just like, I need that record and I need my room to look like this. That's how I want to be. <laughs> 20 you know years I mean? later, yeah. he's, he's right He's right on it. What about you, Damone? What are some comps that uh, taught you a lot about music or you, you remember fondly? Uh, I love your definition of a comp as something that helps kind of um, encapsulate an unwieldy scene. And that's what Project Blow, the first Project Blow tape was for me. Um, I probably told this on this story on this podcast about seven times, but here's number eight. Um, uh, AC Lone derisively gave this to me in Tracks a Million as we were trying to bug him um, at a show. <laughs> and he was just like, dude, take the, just take the fucking tape. Um, and so call me when you can rap like this yeah exactly exactly which means which ultimately meant quit um but but gave i remember he he gave us the tape and you know knowing a freestyle fellowship but not understanding that there was this whole other universe of acts that were around them and you got like cve and you got the jurassic cut with spoon iodine and just all these characters that you you just didn't know about prior to um, and it's this very interesting balance of like really jazzy things, really street things, really, you know, kind of off kilter production. Um, so that for me is always one of those seminal when I think about like what a great compilation is. Obviously, uh, the sound bombing right. series, when you think about label comps and stuff, sound those bombing. Those are mixtapes, but I hear you. Or the first <laughs> yeah. one is a mixtape. The second one is a label comp, I guess we could. if we're The gonna first, because it's mixed, because it's literally mixed. Yeah. That's right. Um, That's right. On this Lounge. Yeah, Lyricist Lounge. Lyricist yeah, Lounge. Right. And uh, Lyricist off. Lounge did some interesting stuff with the hosting that right, I thought totally. was cool. Where That's they sort had, of live, uh, fake live show yeah, format. Yeah, Cool Keith and Sir Menelik made it like yep. did, did these weird interstitial things. Um, to, because if you think about it, the songs don't really go together that right, well. Right. They were just like showing all the different facets of what underground hip hop was totally. at the time. So the, I think they had Daylaw host mm -hmm. the second. CD and Cool Keith and Sir Menelik host the first, if I'm remembering correctly. So you got some humor so. and some imprimatur of the first generation of underground, right? Like mm, Cool right. Keith coming kind of out of Ultra Mags and then right. the Dr. Octagon thing. And then on the second disc, Daylaw just being kind of like elder statesman who went from like really left field but major label rap into like kind of a grown man rap of like a stakes is high and then eventually like a grind date at that time i guess yeah yeah i think promoting and so that leads us fairly neatly into this rosenberg record real yeah. late which is kind of linking yes. the a, a current or uh you know the current stuff that's happening some of the stuff that we cover your your yep. fly anakins and Ito right. and whatnot uh with like a previous generation of street rap like a, a woo a locks yep. Yeah. Um, and showing kind of how it all, what it, why, why it makes sense together and who, who's important in it and stuff. And I have to say, long before I ever thought we could get him on the show, I really liked the way this was put together. I think it's a yeah, good you, you were talking about it for weeks. I remember. Right, this. right. Yeah, because we weren't even really considering having him on. We were just kind of into the album, right? Like, oh, yeah. shit, that yeah. Ghostface song isn't bad. Oh, shit, yeah. that Rock Marcy song is not bad either. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm really glad to make it happen, and um, I'm I'm a fan of that release. I think it's one of the best comps yeah. in a while. Yeah. It's it's what a comp is is supposed to be. Um, but this is like multi generational. Right. And right. Uh, I don't I don't want to take any any credit away from Mr. Rosenberg, but I do feel like the the connections 
that you hear across this record, like if there's a spectrum of lanes, right, from from super gritty street to like homeboy Sandman's most mercurial type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that that is where rap is at. Like the totality of East Coast rap has has it's been flatter than ever where um, homeboy Sandman and Rock Marcy on the same thing. It doesn't there's nothing wrong about that. And so right. when I saw but even when I saw the track titles, I go, oh, I see how this could work. You know what I mean? Like I see there's a commonality, I think, amongst um, folks who are who are considering themselves underground and aspiring to, you know, this whatever nouveau boom bap aesthetic, which I think this project captures uh, beautifully. And shout out to Rosenberg because he he doesn't have to go get a fly Anakin. Or right. anything like that. He right. could have kept it, you know, straight, this kind of like grimy, uh, you know, backpack, middle ground street stuff. But it, it gets kind of weird, which I really appreciate about this project. It, uh, it Jamon, gets weird. You've been vocal both on Twitter and on the show about how throughout the entire history of rap, the underground has influenced the mainstream and the mainstream yep. has influenced yep. the underground and that mm-hmm. all these people know each other and listen to each other, yep. even if you don't hear it in the music. Right. We, I think our several hundred interviews really bears this out some of the biggest fans of hip-hop are the people who end up making hip-hop right especially the producers but not just the producers Um, but they they know they know exactly what's going on and i think this is a pretty good uh it just kind of makes that idea real for a moment totally totally and you know not just underground mainstream but um generational too right right yeah stove god cooks and mayhem loren and raekwon you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it really runs the gamut. And um, Rosenberg is in a particularly good position to do so. To do and it. Yeah, man. It, yeah. Um, it's, it was really cool to sort of hear his insight and how deliberate the choice the choices were and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can all, I just all say roads... like uh, Mayhem Loren in his bowl in a China shop energy is so welcome on any project. Like totally. it wasn't one of the standouts when I first listened to it. But when I listened back for research purposes today, I was just like, this guy just burst in like the kool-aid man on any right, verse he right, does right, right. and it's so cool like we're re- i mean the whole the whole vibe now is like a drumless druggy kind of like narrative sedate and i'm a you know fairly sedate person and i i can appreciate a lot about that but it's it's really nice when someone just comes in and just like jumps through the window to right, see yeah. verse, right you know what i mean like yeah, it's just totally. sort of like ah i'm awake now okay i got i'm gonna listen to everything yeah. you have to say and then he, he runs it down on a chandelier <laughs> yeah um yeah he 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 uh, his sort of like breathy rapid flow and and the fact that he's sort of you know kind of good for just a guest verse kind of reminds me of percy p Okay. Okay. He does a thing. I don't want a full album, but yeah, uh, but he but does a thing that you like and he'll yeah. come and do it and he'll yeah. do it. Yep. You know, that's yep. really interesting. I'm going to be thinking about that for weeks. Yeah. It's like a, a more thugged out uh, Percy P. I, I okay. love Mayhem okay. Loren in the sense that um, it's an old New York style. He brings mm-hmm. the ruckus. Yeah. Like <laughs> back when the ruckus yeah. had to be brought. Um, rappers are I wonder locked. if he's ever been on anything with MOP. I'm going straight to YouTube after this. Okay, it, it's got to be. <laughs> it has to be. If not, Rosenberg, please get get the remix. Um, <laughs> isn't it crazy though how all roads lead back to Wu Tang? Like, if there was yeah. one connective tissue of sound, what I was going for in my original comment was, um, it's an easier record to do now because everybody wants to sound like Wu Tang. Totally, everybody's I mean, a- trying to rekindle the feeling of Wu Tang. There's a song on there called Blue Generation, which I, yeah. Rosenberg also discusses. And it's just, you know, the second generation and That's ODB's crazy. kid. And 
That's yeah, it's very cool. interesting. I mean, I yeah. guess uh, since Target sells Wu Tang shirts now, this is what we get. That's that's where we're at in the uh, in the evolution. This is our Metallica uh, for, <laughs> for, for, forever. And My ever. only thing I can say about that is like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. E- even the real guys. You know, oh, what I mean? it's like, hard there, for them to live up is, to it. There is yeah. something ineffable about those early things. We we could you know literally make a podcast about the fir- you know the original album and the first run of solo albums, but like I don't know what it is. People have called it grit, murk. Yeah. There's yeah. there's something basementy about those records that you just can't recreate, and perhaps we're officially washed out in the floods of Riz's basements they'll just never yeah. sound like that again and it's a damn shame but i'm so glad that's our era that's our generation we got mm-hmm. to experience it when it sounded so new at the time but like right it's just it's crazy how uncapturable that right. is like it's right. gone totally it's the, the purple tape's gone you know like, yeah it's crazy <laughs> i don't know guys i think it's all purple tape now okay. i mean it's not it's not the original it's not the obviously nothing will be like the original right it's, well, it's, it's ob4cl2 yeah it's <laughs> But it's everywhere where Wu-Tang was this singular thing. And um, I think uh, what Real Late, uh, the Rosenberg comp really displays is that their approach to the music is super, super relevant. And I think uh, at its essence, it's like, give me a cool beat with like a weird melodic sample and let me rip it. Yeah. And I'm not going to really talk about anything except for. Slanguage. rapping about rapping street yeah. lang- street right. stuff and yep. new slang and Vis- i'm gonna visuals it, fly it, accents like basically yeah. the only rapping that was meant to impress other rappers that girls also liked Ooh. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> wow i wish like i'm coming for your head and girls are like "Ooh!" <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when method man is coming for your head that's when the girls are into it right like, right like, they're in the method way man, not, not meth sounds great on this yeah he does totally totally he and does. we talked about that with uh, rosenberg as well like meth is is aging very very yeah. finely yeah yeah he still ha- he still has the chop um it was it was great to, to hear uh ghostface and uh crime apple on a joint um so yeah all around as you can tell we really like the record um we were fortunate to be able to have peter rosenberg on so why don't we get into it this is our interview with peter rosenberg dead bod rap pod Dad bod rap pod we are almost out of mugs and so we are constantly coming up with new monetization schemes uh, and it looks like we have an actual ad for this program so we're gonna run it you guys let us know what you think about our new sponsor clap your hands everybody if you're craving that special taste it's summertime the perfect time to put some melon in your face Melons on a bus, melons in the car, melons to make you a superstar. Melons to drink and melons to chew, when it comes to fruit there's only one to choose, and these are the melons. Honeydew, honeydew, honeydew! High in nutrients, low in calories, rich in electrolytes and water. 
are packed with a smooth and delicious taste. It's no wonder that honeydew melons are the world's favorite fruit. Skip the fillers and go with the true king of summer. Slice up some honeydew melon today. The true king of summer and number one fruit in the world are registered trademarks of the California Honeydew Farmers Association. Dad bod rap pod. Every week we have conversations with people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us via Zoom, we have New York radio personality, comp curator. His new compilation, Real Late, is out right now and it's super dope, a record we like a lot. We want to welcome to the program Peter Rosenberg. You guys didn't have me on this podcast just because i physically resemble the title so much (laughs) (laughs) so um firstly dude thank you for being here um we we listened to we we've heard your show and we're fans of the album so you know and like i was saying earlier we're sort of the same age we're sort of we probably have similar heroes and similar points of reference and i just want to know was was there a particular interview that stands out to you when you're just like i can't believe i'm sitting here in the room with this with this person Mm. Um, yeah, I've, I've been, I've had a lot of those, uh, right, right. yeah, uh, I'm trying, I guess as the years have gone on, um, for better or for wor- worse, it's become more normal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people that were like a lot of people that were legends become people that you have a, a, a more of a relationship with over time. And then some of the newer big artists, I'm not as into what's new, so they don't get me that excited, you know, either. So it's unfortunate because then the the ones that really get you going are like kind of few and far between. Like, um, I know this is probably not the, the first artist you expected me to mention in this conversation. But for example, like a year and a half ago, maybe we interviewed Doja Cat. And at the time, I had not listened to one Doja Cat song. So... <laughs> She sat down. I found her to be charming and interesting, and I was curious about her. And then shortly thereafter, her album came out, and I ran into a friend whose taste I really respect in, in music, and he was like, yo, if you listen to Doja Cat, she's pretty crazy. And I was like, nah. So I was, I was getting on a flight. I ran to the airport, listened to the album, and when I landed, I was like, oh, man, this girl's awesome. And I just sat there with her and didn't know a thing about her. <laughs> like, I, I really would like to talk to her again. Right. Um, but I, but in terms of like being excited at the time, there were so many. Um, and obviously, like the, the, the ones that are the biggest that you'd probably assume the J's and the M's and the Kanye's, mm-hmm. they're the ones that you're like, oh my God, we have to take advantage of the time we have. Right. And, and there's a certain level of like nerves that go with that. But, but even before that, whenever we'd have people in a room like, you know, Busta or Redman or Meth or whoever it is, we were always pretty, pretty geared up to have to have them in a setting where I could like really get time with them. Cause I I'm used to chasing people with a microphone and getting a minute, you know, that's kind of where it started for me. So when, when, when people are now like sitting with you and excited to be there and be like, Oh, let me kick back and we go ahead. 
yeah, that's I, I try to appreciate that as much as I can. Right. That's awesome, man. Um, wanted to talk about real late, obviously. Um, we're we're digging the record. If you don't mind, we'll get like fairly granule, uh, granular on it. But let's start kind of bigger picture. Was it a conscious decision to kind of bridge these two generations of New York street rap? Like, let's say a a, a locks to a flea lord, uh, for lack of better terms. Um. Yeah, that was. It was a mix of bridging the gap and, you know, seeing if you could get people to younger people to check out legends and fans of the legends more so. It's more so the other way, because I feel like all the young people who mess with the younger artists, they're all aware, pretty well aware of the legends that were on the album. So it was really more about the other people, like the people of our generation who do not have a podcast and have checked out and and their view of things are like rap just ain't the same and <laughs> you know i i don't think they often realize that it's like no no you're not the same now granted rap is not the same but no music stays the same it's not supposed to stay the same the bigger difference is not the evolution in the music which has come in a way that i don't know you probably could have predicted if we were to look back we probably could have imagined Nothing that's happened in hip-hop from a growth standpoint is so mind-blowing that you wouldn't have expected it. I think the bigger change that people don't expect is their lives change. And finding time to really vibe on music when you can't just sit in your boy's car and smoke blunts all day, but you like you're chasing kids. I don't think they realize that's the bigger change than the music change. So I think it was successful in in getting people who were like, yo, this brought me back. And I I really, this is one of those probably personal, like it's your project and you get hangups on things people say that you find to be cliche that they mean is totally complimentary. But that like whole, it brought me back thing. Unintentionally, I find it annoying because I'm like, (laughs) it's not a retro album sonically. It it really isn't like with the exception of the intro, which is really pretty straight ahead 90s boom bap with the exception of that i don't think there's a beat on there that i go oh yeah i hear this beat and i instantly think 1993 like i really don't feel that way and maybe i'm too close to it but i think what it brings people back to is that oh i like music like i I love hearing music i didn't realize there was still music made that i love so yeah that 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 was in mind but it, it kind of morphed in in the way that i viewed it Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sort of on that same tangent, I, I read an interview where you're talking about ageism in hip hop and how everyone's like, you know, a, a rapper, a longtime successful rapper has one bad song and it's like, yo, he fell off. You know what I mean? And uh, you sort of spoke to that. And and now that rap has has uh, aged and it's allowed, you know, rappers to to mature. Um, uh, who do you think are some of the older rappers that are e- either getting better or just as good as they ever were? Well, I think that from the first person who pops in my mind from getting better is on the album, and and that's Jim Jones. Um, I think Jones went from, you know, the the homie, the homie who rapped, you know, who really held it down. Like Jim was making sure they were getting their money. Jim was making sure their everyone's back was watched jim was holding you know doing all the the grit work and bigger picture business stuff 
And the rapping thing was just like, yo, I have a brand. Let's just go with it. And he's never told me this. This is just how I view it as a fan. Yeah. And then as the years went on, I think he fell more in love with the music. And now, you know, I think you listen to Jim Jones last project. And you really hear a guy who's morphed into an artist as the years have gone on. And like, you know, I know that if you were to say that to like a super lyrical miracle cat, they might be like, oh, stop. And I'm like, if you listen to what he does, I mean, even his verse on my album and I watched him record it. He was the only rapper I watched record anything on the album because he has his quarantine studios. And in watching him do it like he really is of it now, like he 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 makes a ton of music and he I think he does things in ways that are super creative. And it was interesting. His verse is someone that I've seen mixed opinions on, like people who don't get it. I've seen them kind of like not enjoy the verse. But way more people I saw be like, yo, Jim Jones might have stole that song quietly. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone can steal anything from Ghostface when he's on it. Um, <laughs> and he was really on it uh, in that verse. But, yeah, I think I think Jones has really come into his own. I think Ghostface is um, consistently great. I think it's a matter of how dialed in he is. Is he and you know, who's A&R in the project, who's overseeing the whole thing. Um, and then I know the name that these days he's getting super hot. I hope he doesn't, I hope I don't, he doesn't price out of me getting to work with him again. Um, although I don't think money's ever been an issue for him is method man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then everyone saw him at the BT awards the other day and he's jacked and he looks great. He sounds great. He's really in a great pocket. When you think of uh, the, my record, um, Conway record, the J.I.D. record, the Tiana Taylor record, like over the last few years, when he pops up, he really sounds great. Um, so I, I don't want to I'm not intentionally trying to think of people uh, that I that I worked with only. I mean, you, and then you have a lot of people that are just consistent. You know, I mean, I, I don't think Jada Kiss has ever stopped being Jada. Um, I think Snoop at any point could drop another record. Um that that would be that would that would excite us. Um, and and Hove, you know, is obviously Hove. So I, I don't think he's done. I don't think Hove is done dropping classics yet. I, I think that he will drop another one that probably makes us all, you know, even though a lot of us, you know, I didn't love his I didn't I haven't loved his last two verses, the, the two with Nas on DMX or Khaled. Mm-hmm. particularly the Khaled one. I, I know a lot of people, myself included, felt it sounded kind of uninspired. But to the point that you were just making, like, he, that doesn't mean Hove's done. Like, I, I don't know. I, I imagine sometimes your level of inspiration when you're a billionaire, it it can probably wane, you know, like sure. what, what gets you back in that bag. But I really do think that so many of them are great. And I really want us to get out of the thinking of like, this young man's game thing. It, it just drives me nuts. Like I understand young, young people may always drive the club because that's who's in the club, but the, the culture isn't sheerly based off the club. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take away the significance of the club because it's always been important since obviously the very beginning, but it's certainly not the only thing. Yeah. Well said. Um, one of the few artists that I was introduced to by your comp was Jay Nice. And I've, um, I'm, I'm really into that song. I think his two verses in particular 
on Mind Over Matter are really breezy and conversational and bring a really nice element to that. Um, can you talk about um, how you kind of discovered him and why you felt like he was important to bring into this world? Jay Nice is one of the many artists whose music I've been getting over the last couple of years. Uh, my boy Mark Rosado, Top Shelf Premium, was feeding me artists, and Jay Nice was one of them. I played a few songs by him that I liked. And this was a song that really Mark kind of helped put together. You know, I picked the I picked the beat and he was like, what do you think about Jay Nice and Ito for this? And I said, I was, you know, chasing harder features at that point. I knew they were super open to being on it. So you sort of have to prioritize how you handle each thing based on, you know, how much the person is trying to get on and how much the person is just willing to be on. Right? It's, a, it's a really big distinction. Yeah. So those guys were trying to be on it and, and Mark sent it off to them and they basically sent it back almost exactly like that. And I, I loved it too. I right, right away. It became a song that when I played it for people close to me, when they were hearing different iterations of the album, it consistently was one that was like, Hey, I like that um, mind over matter one. And I think that spoke to a couple of things. One, I think you described it, Nate, you described it really well, which is breezy and conversational, um, and really speaking to the time in which the album was made. Yeah, the Kobe COVID line in particular, people a huge the, standout on the first listen. People, people, that line, many people have brought that line up to me, and it's, it's, um, it lines like that remind me in a in a in a weird way of Kanye. And I feel that the Homeboy Sandman track has a lot of lines like that, too, where there's no the difference is mind over matter also has a hook, which is a big difference. <laughs> but the Homeboy Sandman one has a very mild hook. But there are lines that you remember after you hear it once or twice, sort of like a lot of Kanye records, whereas a DJ, I would find it wasn't so much the chorus where I was pulling down the levels. It was the middle of the verse when he said that one line that mm -hmm. everyone knew. <laughs> So I think Mind Over Matter had that and it had a hook like, you know, a little bit of a little bit of effort to write something that, you know, it's so simple, but that like Sam, a change going come, it, it resonates with people. So that song is a standout and it's really cool because they are arguably, you know, they're certainly in the bottom, you know, fourth or fifth of name recognition on the album like they're yeah. they're down there in, ter in terms of visibility so the fact that it stood out you know jay nice is from delaware and, wow and the fact that it stood out and peep so many people recognized it like he's a name that i that i already put an asterisk on of like gonna have him on the next one too like right. he 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 to me he's someone who like i want to continue to i'm trying to decide who are the people that you bring back again um, and maybe build a little something there that people expect to hear them on your project and hear what they do. And I think he, I think he did that with that verse. Right on, man. Right on. Well, you know, we're, um, we're talking a little bit about how the album bridges, you know, the gap a little bit, right. You have like the underground, you have new school, old school. Um, but, you know, I was really happy to see rock Marcy on there. Um, and speaking of rock Marcy, you um, <laughs> Rock Marcy, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are unfamiliar with his long history, beginning with flip mode. So to see somebody like, you know, who has influenced like the new school as well as has been around so long was was brilliant. Um, 
I wanted to ask you, you know, being in New York and just, you know, someone who obviously knows and has followed Rock's career, do you feel the ripples of his influence? Well, I, I yes, but mostly with the kind of artists that are featured on the album and and that whole you know, I sort of I sort of look at the the world of like connoisseur rap or whatever you want to call what's happening now as Marcy being a father sort of to a lot of it, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and this is kind of in my head, but this is just how it it shakes out to me. And I I sort of see like Ka as another sort of influential figure, not as big as Marcy Mm -hmm. in terms of a people knowing who he is and B, Ka stylistically is so unique that he has an influence, but it's a different sort of thing because he really is sort of operating in his own world. And plus his lack of visibility by choice, you know, certainly puts him in an interesting space. But like I, I, I see this all as sort of like offspring of doom to some extent too. Mm-hmm. But like choosing to be underground, choosing to put like lyrics first, and, and choosing art at all costs first. I kind of see everything kind of coming down from doom, but I consider Marcy of the active people to be the most influential. Um, and I still think there's room for him to get bigger um, and get more recognition, you know, to have that sort of mad villain moment, you mm-hmm. know, where it goes from, this big to this big and it just gets bigger and bigger and and you know I, I i can't tell i mean the game has changed so i don't know what that ceiling is at this point but it was critical for me to have him um and i at, at first i wasn't sure if i would i've known him for a long time we're certainly not in close contact we're in more contact now than ever before so i didn't know if i was going to get him and Flea Lord is actually who pulled that together. Mm-hmm. And um, I was super grateful to Flea for that because I felt like I needed for it to be representative. And and I don't know. I mean, and for me to not look like a sucker, like you, I didn't want to have <laughs> all these dope people on it. But uh, but the biggest names in that space not be on it to me. My ego would not have allowed for that. Like I just, I really did not want that to happen. And, and so when I got Marcy, I was like, I need Griselda or I need rock Marcy. I need some stamp from one of the main people in this. And then they both fell into place. And I really think that I look at the West side gun record and the Marcy record is sort of like the two tent poles of the album that like, would make it so people like yourselves have to listen. Like now I have to. Otherwise, I might have seen a bunch of names that are interesting. But if you wanted to hate and be like, oh, he just has old school cats on here. You could you could hate in that way. This sort of made it that for the people who are really into this shit, they were like, "Okay, I absolutely have to hear Rock Marcy and Flea Lord. And I have to hear the West Side Gun record. And then, I mean, in my opinion, both songs really delivered. So they, they really they really did me right in that regard. That's cool. That's, that's right. interesting the way you phrased that. And it's, it's obviously gratifying to hear you bring up Ka and like um, he, the only thing, just this is a little nerdy tangent, but you know, I do have a question, I promise. But Ka's kind of hermetic 
uh, like not promoting himself at all is only basically uh, comparable to the band Salt. Do you follow their career at all? It's like this oh. kind of crafted uh, mystique is the last thing we have left to get people interested in you. And those, the, I'm I'm just thinking about that a lot with Salt's new record having come out on Friday. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because as a result, I like I only know of Salt and I've heard them, but I've like barely heard anything because when I went to look for it, I couldn't find it, and I was like, all right, well, I'll find it later. <laughs> Which is the downside to the entire thing. Yes, that's right. the, the downside of Mystique is like being hard to find and not. Well, being like, able where to get do you draw the line? You know, and like right. I've I've had, as far as I know, and I don't think I'm jumping out on a crazy limb. I'm the only person on commercial radio in the country who plays Ka. And I, when I first played Ka, it was through Disco Vietnam, who produced three songs on this project and yeah. is, and knows him from Long Island. And he put me on to him and I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And honestly, we exchanged texts many years ago, but I've never had any luck getting anywhere with him. And so naturally, it's a weird mix of where as a fan, I appreciate it. And as a person in the business who like wants to do more with him, yeah, there is yeah. a sense of frustration. Like I wanted him on this project. I would love him on the next one. Yeah. And I just don't know if that's going to be possible. Um, and so, yeah, I argue and me and me and Disco Vietnam actually argued about that. Like I was like, at what point is it no longer good? Like, is it right, at what right. point are you now cutting off your nose to spite your face? Because there's so many more people you could reach and your art could have so much more influence you know, or it's like, no, the essence of the art is it is it just the art. But like I always come back to Doom again. And I'm not saying Doom is the, the perfect artist or anything, but in terms of mystique in hip hop, no one's been better. That's that the he, right level of mystique. Right. He did it. He nailed it. Yeah. He did everything cool and wacky you could do. Yeah. It was all very thought out. Yeah. And even in his case, he understood the gimmick of it. Like yes. you can't ignore that the not doing anything is a gimmick. Right. Like, so like, <laughs> you know, I, I totally respect it and I, I admire Ka greatly. And at the same time, I'll say it here. Cause I don't know if I'll ever get to say it to him, bro. Like let more people hear your music. This isn't a, the, at some point it's no longer a great service to the, to the world. And Yo, it's all a gimmick. Like we can all pretend like Makami was a gimmick. We all right. know now it was a gimmick. You think all of a sudden in five minutes, Mock became one of the best interviews you could ever have in the game. Right. Like he knows how to talk. Yeah. He's phenomenal at it. And he worked it till a point where I think he thought he had an opportunity to do more with it. And Mock is taking money and giving it to Haiti and doing all kinds of awesome shit. And yeah, I'm not yeah. saying Ka has to do any of that. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. there can be good things that come from easing the mystique just a bit so you can allow the music to flourish. I get it. I'm a fucking Jewish guy on the radio who works for Disney, WWE, and Hot 97. So I'm as commercial as it gets in some regard, but I am a connoisseur of underground things. Yeah. Um, and I'm totally. appreciative, but I like to be the person who helps push it out a little bit further. Okay, quick joke, and then I do have a question. The, uh, a producer homie tweeted, how do you get a beat to call? And like 10 people lined up with the same reply, start a fire in Brownsville. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way he might show up, even though I understand he lives in Atlanta now. It's funny, refuses his original place. Anyway, okay, Is here's my question. Is he still a firefighter? Yeah, as far as I understand, I so. he, he weathered the storm of being outed in the post and is right. a fire captain. 
So he yeah. did some real hip hop shit, like move to Atlanta, but we still can't hear him at all. Exactly. Come on, that's the most classic exactly. hip hop move. That's the most Fife move there in 1992. Exactly. Okay, here's my question. Um, the second generation woo stuff. Um, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I feel like we're building a rapport here. Isn't calling it that putting a lot on these people's shoulders? Like, does it, like, do, do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, so I'm super grateful to those guys because it's the first song I got done. And, you know, it came together in an interesting way. And um, Intel, who is you, God's son? Um, he, he really orchestrated for that and was super helpful and is super organized and is like, he's on point. But I think it's really challenging because by being second generation woo, you're inherently a level removed in terms of closeness, I think, as well. Mm. So now you're, you're under this umbrella, but is every you have to be tight in order to try to do that like and i was hoping that this song could be a little bit of a catalyst for them building a bit more because i heard a song by them they had a record featuring method man that was really dope and uh that i was playing like a year and a half ago and i heard it and i was like how do i not know who these guys are they're 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 pretty good like they're they're actually you know, I, I guess my expectations when I hear something like is like that is like, this is going to suck. And then you hear them and you're like, these guys are actually pretty good. Um, but I don't think from a brand standpoint, they have the whole thing pulled together yet. Like they don't have the dudes, I think, who are like, we're all dialed in. We're like the five that are completely locked in. I think it's still a lot of trying to get one person to do one thing, trying to get another to do another. And you're right. Maybe the second gen woo thing is is a moniker that's impossible to live up to but i also don't know that i ever would have checked for them if that wasn't their name <laughs> so in in that we have the conundrum but i do think you know i've gotten uh, one of the things that's really interesting about the album is i get like these really mixed opinions of some people will say something's their least favorite thing and some their most and the second generation woo is a classic example i've heard from some people who are like nah that wasn't the one and then i heard from some people who are like yo that second generation woo um i find it to be an i, I really like that record I, I think it starts you know i know this, this speaking of nerdy this is super nerdy but it starts in a way that's super uncommon from like the the, the point of the bar the music everything kind of starts in an interesting way in that record and i think that young dirty on the hook is incredibly charming yeah. in that he like he sounds like his dad, like decidedly sounds like his dad, but it also works. And you can tell if you've ever seen him, like he's come out at a lot of Rock the Bells. He used to do a lot of Wu-Tang shows. He is truly like a chip off the old block. So when you've seen him and been around him at all, he doesn't feel copycat at all. He just feels like, oh, my God, it's a little it's young, dirty. That's, yeah, that's yeah. who he is. So um, I, I was really pleased with how that one came together. Oh, man, that's dope. Um, you know, I, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you mentioned Griselda a little bit, and I find that, you know, obviously there's a lot of corollaries between them and Wu with, with just their business model, the films, the merch, the group stuff, the solo stuff. I just want to know, like, when did Griselda first sort of enter your consciousness? And 
you know, do you ever see them shedding this like Wu Tang comparison? Um, they first entered my consciousness. Um, sixteen, maybe. Um, they did my birthday show, I believe, in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Mm. Maybe twenty eighteen. They did my birthday show, and I guess I'd been checking for them for, you know six months to a year before that. So it's maybe been four years. I don't know. I, I life is life got a little blurry around 18, 19. So 16, 17 in that range. Um, like I don't see the Wu Tang thing anymore. So it's hard for me to say what other people see, because to me, it's so, they are so their own thing at this point, like West side gun in, in your Wu comparison which I, you're not the fir- obviously the first to bring it up. That's why you brought it up. In that comparison, Gun is kind of like the RZA, but he's not a producer. He's just a rapper, and well, he is a pro- but he is a producer, but in more like a probably like a Diddy producing exactly. way, yeah, than a than a RZA producing way. Um, and then it feels like everyone thought Benny was Method Man. But now everyone seems to think Conway is Method Man, or maybe you think Conway is Raekwon and Ghostface combined, and Benny's Method Man. No matter how you cut it, they're just musically so dissimilar, in my opinion, from Wu Tang. Mm. Um, I mean, dude, relative to Griselda, Wu Tang was like outright commercial. I mean, when you really think about it, Griselda hasn't sniffed anything like a Method Man single. Right. Ice cream. Certainly no. I'll be there. Uh, you're all I need. I'll be there for you. No Brooklyn Zoo. No shimmy shimmy. Ah. No got your money and on. No cam a like we can go on and on and on. And basically until you make it all the way out to like the inspected deck album, you know, you're really going to find kind of viable singles on all those albums. And even from the first album, Method Man was a was a borderline hit. So they were playing the game mm-hmm. like Wu-Tang was at Loud Records. They were going to radio stations. They were doing they were trying to service singles. Griselda's not even in. They're just living life and doing really well play, without playing the game at all. Like and I understand it firsthand now because I got gun on my album and now I got Conway for Summer Jam. So in trying to do in doing my limited business with them, I see that like, yeah, I mean, they 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 play the game and that they understand relationships, obviously, and want to work with people who fuck with them and are cool. But they're not playing the like crazy game of like, oh, well, we better do this because we need to get that. And I'm not saying Wu-Tang did that in a way that's shitty at all. I'm just saying they were a part of the label system. I mean, they were for as underground as they were. Do you, I mean, we could find out, though, I'm sure, easily the budget for Wu-Tang forever. It was a shitload of money. <laughs> they bought I a mansion bet. in L.A. and they and they and they made this album. I mean, Wu-Tang Forever sounds like one of the most expensive albums ever made, yeah. like just on your ears. So I, that is a really nerdy, long way of ruining a fun comparison. <laughs> no, that's what we're here for. Yeah, no, totally. But no, like I, the truth is, I think people like us would know it's a lazy comparison. They're yeah, really not yeah. similar. They're just not. I mean, Griselda is so unique sonically 
And like, I know people who don't fuck with Griselda because of how unique they are. And because it's like, I don't want so much music and so much boom, 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 boom. And so much just like quick, like they don't, it's a, it's a unique style that I can't see. I mean, maybe they stumble into some random record that takes off or they get featured on the right record and it blows up. But like one of the things I talked to Gun about that I admire him for so much is they've created a lane for themselves where they don't have to do shit like they just have to put out music, whatever they want to put out. And some will stream 100,000 and some will stream 10 million. But when you add it all up, like they're doing well. So yeah. God bless those guys. Throw in some eighty dollars totally. sweatshirts, and you've got a career. <laughs> no. Yeah, some limited ass merch. They're yeah, totally freaking great. Uh, wanted to return to what you were saying a little bit earlier about the Homeboy Sandman track, and it's an interesting way to end this particular project. Um, Dave and I were talking before you hopped on. Like it, it almost sounds like it could be like the cliffhanger ending before you jump into like the next comp, which goes in maybe a more art rappy. Uh, kind of even more underground, even more poetic direction because Sandman is not really part of a Griselda movement, a post-Marcy movement. He's a lyricist in his own right. So just curious how you guys connected. Why end there? Um, are we on to something? Are we not? Just Can you just kind of talk about ending there and Homeboy Sandman in general? So Sandman is my, maybe my longest term friend on the whole project and um, been playing his records forever. And those, you know, the people who know, I, you guys would do a better job having a gauge that's objective of how known he is in the underground rap world. Like, I don't know. I, I'm too close to it. To me, he's, we've done mad stuff together. Um, you know, he's a known quantity for sure. And he has pockets of fandom from Stone's Throw, pockets of fandom from Lice with Aesop Rock. And um, it, it, among people who really, really care about lyrics and verse construction, he's highly regarded. Okay, so that, that's what I that's how I generally would assess it. I. I have always thought he's amazing. He's someone I think gets constantly better. Um, <clears throat> he goes through these phases, you know, where he does. He tries different things. Um, he's he's had times where he's gotten like. Almost too weird for me. And I'm like, there's nothing for me to play off this. Like, I have like a very, I have a very low bar for what is like acceptable for airplay on my show. I don't mean in terms of quality, but I mean in terms of style. Like, I have a low bar. Like, it doesn't have to be, I don't need, you know, Yvette Michelle singing on the hook. Like, it, it we, I'm good with it being pretty weird. But in some of the music that's out now and some of the music that he's made, there's shit that I that like they'll do certain things with the drums, the muddiness of a drum or an offbeatness to the whole thing that I'm like, if I if you were to be flipping channels and hear this, I can't have a random listener flip on the show and think this is noise. I, and I know that's like a a blurry line, but there are songs that are just in this in every form of music. If the artists that really push boundaries, there are some songs that I'm like, in some ways, this is dope. In some ways, I don't know about this. And so he's had moments of that where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to play any of this. And I think as the time's gone on, he's gotten so dope as a rapper that he's kind of circled back around into like a real comfort of he can just do what he does and be musical and not have to 
quadruple time everything like he's he's proven enough that where it could, it's dope just by what he is saying um and so i had that beat from grimdoza that uh mark gave me and i just like uh i heard it and i was like oh man homeboy sam man uh this is perfect sent it to him he was like it's done i got you sent it right back and I remember I was driving around in Jersey one day and I called my brother um, right before Thanksgiving. So in retrospect, it may have already been too late, but we were fantasizing about how dope doom would sound on that record. Oh, man. And I was like, I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen anyway. Let me be real. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine it would have happened. But number one, if you hear that beat and think about doom, you're like, oh, yeah, this would work. And number two, Sandman and Doom being on one song together would have really made a lot of sense for that to have happened at some point. Yeah. Um, so rest in peace to MF Doom. And, that, and so that's where the song happened. And then I, I, it, was, it used to sit in the middle of the album. And mm. my, my close friend, Quartermain, who was in a group called Critically Acclaimed, who I, I used to work with for years um, in the low-budget days, he was listening to the album and he was like, yo, I love the Sandman song, but it does not sonically fit with this album. He was like, it just doesn't go. I think you should, you know, it may not be for this. So I was debating what I should do with it because I really, him and I have very similar tastes and I really respect his opinion. So I said, let me, let me push that to make it a bonus track. So I made it a bonus and it sat listed as a bonus until the last couple of weeks. And then I just didn't like the feeling of it saying bonus because people treat those songs weird. And mm -hmm. the song's so fucking great to me. Like he raps in a way on that song that it's almost like I I'm not smart enough to describe it well because it it's not quick imagery like a Raekwon or a Ghostface. And it's not storytelling either. It's like a meandering thought process of from a crazy person, which he is. So <laughs> it's him just talking through all these thoughts, you know, um, like that line that he has towards the end about um, gangster movies using a racial epithet in Italian for yeah, black yeah, people. Totally. That line is so ill. And yeah, it's yeah. like it kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, and, and just a few minutes before that, you hear him express really honestly about like, I don't really get I don't really know if relationships are the thing. And as someone who's known him for a long time and I've seen him in many relationships, <laughs> I know how he lives his life. Like, you know, Sam Man's a wild dude, yo. He's he um he came to see me at a time when I was going through a really tough time when my marriage fell apart and I was living in an apartment by myself. And he was like, yo, I got to come check you, man. Like I told him what was up and he was like, I'm gonna come check you. And he came through and we watched. I remember it was the tournament. It was the NCAA tournament. Um, it was Zion Williamson's only NCAA tournament. Um, or maybe it was the ACC tournament. It was the ACC tournament. And we just sat around watching Zion and he had just come back and was like, yo, I, I smoke weed now. And I was like, <laughs> There's, I have an announcement to make. Yeah, there's more, the story, there's more to the story than that. That's about his personal life. So I'll leave that part. But it was also incredibly random. Like the decisions he was just like, he was like, yeah, I decided to do this. I was in Europe. I moved back. I'm back now. I'm smoking weed. Now, Homeboy <laughs> Sandman's a fascinating artist because he 
smoked weed like a lunatic all the way through college when he was trying to play basketball at Penn. Mm-hmm. And then when he became a rapper, he quit smoking weed. So mm. the whole time I've known him, he's never smoked weed. Exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> so weird. That's backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Backwards. So this is the first time I've ever seen him smoke weed. And he was like, yo, I'm a one hitter quitter. That's it, though. And he pulled out this joint that he'd been like nursing all day. <laughs> we literally each took one hit because I'm washed at the time, too. And and we just like it was just so hilarious to me. And then the next time I saw him, he's like, no, nah, I don't smoke weed anymore. That was my <laughs> he made one. He made like half an album high. Okay. And that was it. And moved on from it. He's just a character. And that's why that little audio clip at the end that I found from my interview where I asked him about being a rambling crazy man on the street. I, I, I want it. So this is as nerdy as it gets. So the reason I did that was if anyone listening to this podcast right now uh, hears, listens to that album and you get to the end and you hear that, th- the sound clip, he, I included that thing. And then I include like this clapping, this uh, live audience laughter and clapping to end the album. And the only reason I ended up using that was because when he said his line in the interview clip, I laughed so hard <laughs> that I thought it sonically sounded stupid. <laughs> so I was like, I got to find a way to cover my laugh. What am I going to do? Because it just sounds I, I didn't like it. So I ended up being like, let me. And I found like some old British canned laughter from a British sitcom. <laughs> and that and I, and I ended up loving it. And it, that, that was one of the really fun pieces of the album was figuring out these things that were cover ups or fixes that you would hear the album and think it all, hopefully God willing, people all think it makes sense. They just listen to it like this album rocks and don't realize that all these little things that happened were someone came short on a verse. I didn't know what to do here. All just little fixes. That was really like um, sort of the, the joy for me to do. And I guess the most hands on, you know, producing that I did on it. Well, right on, man. there it is, man. We just want to say thank you. By the way, you only need six questions. That was one of the longest answers I've ever given. (laughs) (laughs) That was remotely interesting because that was a long answer. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. um, We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to thank you for your time. Um, Definitely fans of the project and uh, curious to see what happens next. It sounds like you're already well into the thought process for the next one. So, uh, yeah. Is there anything to it? Is there anything you're kind of working on you're excited about that you can talk about? No, I'm, I'm super early just in like the beat selection period. So mm. you know, any, anyone who's out there is listening, who's like, yo, I got beats that are fire that would fit right in. Please feel free to try to DM me or reach okay. out to me. Um, I, my, I can actually have an email for beats, Rosenberg beats at gmail.com. If you like you you think you have beats, that would make sense. I just want to, I got to go through more beats. Um, I have a lot and then, you know, like get back on the, get back on again. You know, like yeah. I've started already, but I'm like half assing it. I'm like, yo, are you interested? And uh, uh, but I haven't taken like the super forward steps of like it's going, it's in motion. Right. Because right. I think I'm still just trying to enjoy being done for a couple of weeks and and feeling satisfied in in, in listening to it. And then um July 10th in Bushwick, Brooklyn, there's a supply and demand show for anyone who's in New York. I'm doing a set where a bunch of the artists from the album will be on it. And then Summer Jam Festival Village, you know, I really hope that the fans of this kind of rap will show up to the Summer Jam Festival Village because I got Conway, Rock Marcy, Vel the Wonder, 
um, Flea Lord, Stove God Cooks, all on it. And, you know, everyone complains constantly, like, why don't Hot 97 show love for the real shit? Why don't blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, all right, I'll ignore the fact that you don't even hear my show for two hours every week. Like, you want to hear Rock Marcy at 10 a.m., which just doesn't even make sense. Okay, fine. You ignore that. Yo, well, why ain't no one good on Summer Jam? Okay, so now I have Rock Marcy on a Summer Jam stage. I hope that there are people out there who support it who will come out because their presence will be felt because we're going to know the people that actually came out to support that because a lot of people are like, what the fuck is this real rap? So I'm hoping that people will come out to Summer Jam and support that. And then sometime in the fall, I'm going to announce some dates in on the East Coast and West Coast with like four or five of the artists uh, doing shows. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the time and the support. Of the hang. Thank you so much. Likewise, man. Thank you. All right. Take care. That was our interview with Peter Rosenberg. It was so dope that it went from, we really like this record. He'll never come on the show to like, <laughs> we like this record coming on next Thursday. Power of David Ma, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you so much, bro. That was, that was dope. No, no, it was just, it was really good to get uh, Peter on the program and shout out to Peter again. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where he like changes his microphone and puts on his ear, um, his um, headphones and then it's like oh you're a real commentator okay yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's like oh next thing you know we're talking with bob costas so like legit so um yeah. yeah shout out to him man that was really great to just kind of chop it up and you know he's perfectly within our um age group so yeah yeah that's so funny like from uh being a fake radio program to like a real radio uh person <laughs> essentially Right. It's, it's so funny too it's just like and, and you know we we can wait to get drunk later and talk about this but like if we're gonna make it we have to leave san jose dude like it's just oh wow like, it's just if you Nate, live, that if was you a tone change bro proximity <laughs> to these people your life is so different like oh, we yeah. can move to la if you want it's there, yeah. there are two choices okay, media, okay. but like okay. i don't know man it's just uh when he was talking, I don't remember if this is in the part that's going to make the edit or not, but he was like talking about the stage he's booking at Summer Jam and like oh, right. the shows that he wants to do for the album and stuff. And I'm just like, I'd like to go to that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I would like I, that to not cost thousands of dollars and disrupt my life to be able to go to that. It's just like, yeah. right. anyway, I, it just gave me some pretty intense Damn. FOMO. And, and like, got into some... there's just like this, there are seats of culture. And the reason that they are the way they are is because that's where all the cool people want to live. Proximity, and the yeah. people who are doing stuff totally. all live near each other. And totally. I didn't have this feeling at all during the pandemic because you're supposed to be home and home is chill for me right but yeah. now that the world is opening back up it's like oh Fomo. man what are like what are we fun. doing yeah. <laughs> anyway, totally <laughs> we've only oh, talked so about funny. this six or seven thousand times so. <laughs> <laughs> that is so f i didn't see you going there that got wistful for a second um yeah we'll so we'll contemplate uh leaving the only home we've ever known uh for for fame and fortune no i mean i feel like um 
I, I have the same thought process and I go, yes, if I can move to LA when I was 22. Right. Like, right. like it's, it's not necessarily, it's hard to open up shop in another town right now, but for the right opportunity, LA, uh, please let me know. Uh, but yeah, super cool of him to come on the program. Um, I'm hope that uh, he can kind of keep using his platform to, uh, to give shine to rappers who might not otherwise get it. Um, and you know, so he's to be commended for that. Also, also there's more new hot rap records out right now. One of which is, uh, by an artist who I believe to be one of the funnier people, period. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's Vince Staples who dropped his self-titled album. Um, I think this was like last week. I just heard it over the weekend. Guys, have, have you had a chance to hear it? And like, what are your thoughts? I did. I did. I definitely had a chance to hear it. And um, I love that you mentioned how funny he was. Um, you know, part of my, um, you know, part of why I like Vince Staples is his sense of humor. Um, I first heard of him on um, that Earl cut. I think it was Hive. It's that one song with Casey Veggies and he just mm -hmm. takes over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he um, th this album is was just another reminder of his presence. Um, I, I'm not huge on a lot of the songs, but I like, I would say about 60% of it. And, um, you know, but he, his voice and, and sort of like um, his composure uh, um, over like weird trappy beats still sounds good. And I I'd rather much prefer that than sort of like proto house shit that he was like rapping over. Um, oh, I think it was called Big Fish Theory. Yeah. So yeah, man, overall, I really like it. There's a track on there called Take Me Home, which is which I found to be like randomly very introspective. So that's something that I think sh people should check out if you're a fan of Vince as well. Um, but yeah, man, what it just keeps making me think of Hive. And I'm like, dude, where's this fucking Earl Vince album, man? Please. <laughs> oh, that would be you know? interesting. I think they yeah. were talking about it, at, you know, around that time, too. But that was like 12 years ago or whatever. Yeah, I don't think they were ever going to yeah, get no. any of Different these. Like, yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, maybe though, who knows? I bet you there's so many tracks in the tuck though. Oh man, we'll just never hear. Uh, what about you, Nate? I enjoyed it, I liked it a lot. Um, I really, really like Summertime 06 and the Shine Cold Chain mixtapes. For me, he was like rapping really hard over some minimal production, and like that, that's what I like. And it, he was, he was like a bright, shining star, he's super funny especially yeah. on Twitter. He's such a real dude. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've always been a big fan of his, but right. he kind of, I'm kind of agreeing with you, Dave, his musical tastes kind of got away from me a little bit. I, I felt mm. like, and we might've talked about this on a very early episode. I think we show, did. Yeah. Um, real big fish or fish. Uh, big ah, fish theory. Big, fish, big theory. fish theory. Thank you. Was like, Oh, I'm a festival guy now. I right, know you do right. tracks that will hit at a festival. Right, right. Here are um, the dance tracks. Yeah, and that's fine. Everybody goes through that as, as you get big enough. And you do. You cannot sit there and like, you yeah. know, like talk Rappity about rap things. for 80,000 yeah. people in Berlin. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So um, I'm, I'm only one listening to this new record, but I love its brevity. I love its mm -hmm. general approach. Um, I think it's really smart. I think he's always got the kind of Nas thing where it's like, yes, he's of the street life, but he's an observer mm. of mm -hmm. most of the street stuff. Like mm -hmm. he's just, he's, he's right there. He's like yeah. there with like a journalistic eye for detail totally. about street narratives. But if you like listen to him talk, it's like, he's, he's 
fully a part of that, but he's also like this funny laid back dude. And totally. I just, I think it's a really good record. I was trying to research it, but there's not a lot of information online about it yet because it hasn't yeah. been released physically. I believe it's produced by Kenny Beats. Yeah, it sounds, oh, it sounds like Kenny Beats. I believe okay. that's okay. the case. Yeah, yeah that's it sounds cool. like Kenny Beats. Yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's cool. kind of, that's he's, his thing is kind of that minimal mainstream, yeah. if you will. I don't really know what else to call it. Um, and that, that, that serves him well here. Damone, what is, what's your take on this record so far? Uh, I've, I've been a, a big proponent of Vince, like, like you guys, since, um, since his album FM in 2018, which was actually my, um, or I'm sorry, 2019, which was my personal pick for the album of the year, which was another beautifully short, um, I believe it was 11 songs in, in like 20-ish minutes, um, barely an album. But uh, this album kind of reminded me of that. It was kind of like he's he's checking in with the album that he needs to do to keep the the event staples machine rolling it's like it's nothing it doesn't pretend to be grandiose actually fm had a little bit more uh kind of skit theme weaved into it this is just like oh, vince checking in with my 12 songs in 22 minutes um all kenny beat stuff it sounds like but my my only my only quibble if i if i am to quib is um I really like the FM joint because it wasn't going towards the melodic thing that a lot of folks are doing. Um, it was it was kind of hyphy. He he had E40 on on the track fun because it was just weird like bleep bloopy um, up tempo stuff. And on this joint, this is definitely like more um, definitely a summer album, but definitely like ah oh, we got to get a couple of these over in you know with the with the with the younger folk who want to hear something melodic something sing songy a little bit the beats are a little bit more melodic but not bad at all um what i love about vince is he is super clever but just understated like he doesn't he delivers like whatever lines and really brilliant things the exact same way he's so never like of, get it yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not, right. it, he always not, just lets it lay. Right. And it's just there. And if you pick it up, there's lines of his. I go back and I go, fuck, that mm -hmm. was, you know, that was really, really a cool, clever, you know, double, triple entendre you pulled, but you just delivered it in this really matter of fact, non pretentious type of way. And I think um, that's what everybody loves about Vince Staples is the authenticity. And that definitely comes through um, on this record. And, you know, I love that he's going to get done in 20 minutes. He, yeah. he is the artist of the moment. Like he understands social media presence. His web series was fucking funny. Um, he understands that. I, I mean, I think nobody wants a, a 24 track album. Like I think, but I don't know, but people keep making them and you know, they make more money than me. So who's going to say, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, one thing I will say, we talked about this a little bit off mic, but it's not like a recycled take. And I'd be interested to hear what the listening public thinks is uh, I think he's, he's like doing a voice. Like, I think his real voice his real rapping voice is that voice from the first couple Earl records oh, in like in mm -hmm. summertime 06, where it's a real high register mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. very clipped. Here he's he, there's a little bit of a drawl. There's a little right, bit, you were right. calling it a melodic thing, Damone. Mm -hmm. Like it, it sounds like it sounds to me, and I'm doing this thing you guys can't see where I'm like leaning away from the microphone. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, this is me in like a laid back mode, like literally yeah. laid yeah. back. I'm like, I'm yeah. I'm holding back, I'm reserving something for the sake of the flow of the song. It's not mm -hmm. like a in your face. 
kind no, of thing. Not, and like, there's no attack honest, there. There yeah. are moments where he goes into a a little bit more of an attack mode in like a bridge or something, and I'm like, ah, there it is. I like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. 100. That's my take. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's 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 great, Nate. I, I feel like uh, I I feel like it's it's an album where he's just he's taking notes. How do you take your game to the next level? How do you become that that bigger artist? Because he he's made those type of records that we love. Um, and now he's like, a, I think he's at that weird cross point where he's almost more famous just for being who he is for sure, rather than a, a song or an album that you could attach something 100. to. And so with Vince Staples, very interesting. I believe this is like his third or fourth actual album, but he called it self-titled, which to right. me says, right. let's introduce Vince Staples to a larger audience. And it, right. so it totally has that feel, but not in a bad way. It's not right. like that album where the the underground dude is trying too hard or whatever right right. i think him and his 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 peoples are trying to figure out um what is the body of music that's gonna place him amongst you know uh the the preeminent artist of the day um in his own way though so it's still vince it's not it's not too reachy um i feel like if i was you know 15 years younger this would totally be my record but you know yeah, and, interesting. And, go ahead, Dave. Oh no, I was going to say in this this age of uh, playlist culture, I mean, you know, he might be the wiser, right? I mean, he, yeah. you have twenty songs that all sound different and that are on twenty thousand different playlists, right? You know, right? I, I just think um, I, I believe he has a graphic novel coming out. Okay. I'm pretty okay. I, so I was surprised when this came out because I was like, oh, is he doing a graphic novel and there will be an album? And he's doing like a big old album cycle thing. But it appears that they are separate projects. He wrote this graphic novel and he has his rap album. Cool. And so that, I, I think that's kind of, it's interesting based on what you were just saying, Damone, where it's like, he's, he's doing a couple of different things to serve different segments of the audience. Right, right. Um, so, so it's interesting, but you know, like, you know, career prognostication aside like <laughs> i enjoyed the music and i will listen to it another couple of times yeah. and i don't think you can really talk about it for much length of time like what are we on our 10th minute without talking about the tyler as well because they start in similar places right yeah. and they've, they've ended up in kind of different play they like kind of different levels of the game and tyler was always like the, the impresario guy he always had the bigger personality vince is more like on the side cracking jokes and that's that's basically what we have here we have a big blockbuster yeah okay album that's from a great tyler yeah. and then we have like kind of a, a more reserved ep from vince and so you know and then like earl just dropping guest verses and you know hanging out with the alchemist all day and so it's like <laughs> what a know, life where we where we started and where we ended up with odd future is is not totally different than what some of us foresaw at the time it's just might have gotten a little bit bigger a little bit faster than people thought it would but frankly super happy for all these dudes yeah super yeah. talented 100, 100. Yeah. 100 and rapping you know cats is, is, is out here still still rapping rapping um so definitely i would i would recommend everybody should at least check out vince staples by vince staples uh real quick and in, in our rap adjacent category uh new salt record their 25th Oof. record in three years and they're all amazing <laughs> like how do they keep doing it i don't how know how do they keep doing it the the how do they keep pushing this mystique i mean and how do they like just not put themselves out there but i think that adds to it and just just on the strength of the music alone what the fuck dude i know, I know. like i, I, have, I, I like have a hot song. take okay got into it this is my least favorite one salty okay. 
but I'm a little salty um, <laughs> with a U. Um, but I think this is why the song mm-hmm. Bitter Streets is so good. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to listen to anything else. Uh, we we oh, talked about really? that song. That was, that that was yours? song is amazing. Like, I was yeah. like, send it to everyone in my contacts. You yeah. must listen to this song. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. That song is captivating. And I think it's so good. I'd like, I don't even think of this as a record. I'm like, oh, that's the way I get to hear the Bitter Street song. Um, wow. It's just like, okay. totally like subsumed my like thinking okay. about this oh, record. Wow. Okay. wow. Yeah. And I, okay. I also, I don't really like when they get too rappy. Well, I, like I was going to say like that a soul funk disco. This is the rappiest one. No, thing. I agree with that. The most rappiest one and the most like sort of like London proud one. You yeah. Know yeah. I, mean? I was going to say which, the most Brit one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously I'm immediately turned off, but like, I, <laughs> but, but musically, I think that I, they're still strong as fuck. Oh, this one song is like eight minutes long. This one's 13 minutes long. Both are good. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. very much into them and, and just coming out the gates like that. I mean, what a run. Yeah, yeah, they're they're on an incredible run, and I feel like um, you know they're cultivating mystique in a very interesting way. But but also a lot of material, and I don't listen to the album and go, these could be you could have compressed this right because it's it's a lot of it's a lot of material in a short amount of time. Which I makes want me pretty think, much every song. Yeah, I'm kind not, of. Like, yeah, I'm not editing these in my my playlists or whatever. Mm-mm, yeah. Right. Um, super, super what solid. what do you guys think about if it's actually going to be the case that? Pardon me. This is like a the gimmick of this one is that's only going to be out for 99 days and then they're going to like withdraw it. Have you oh, heard shit. that, Damone? No, yeah, I haven't yeah, heard I did this. hear that. Better um, download that ish, fool. Uh, all oh, ISPs. So and, and are they going to drop wax with this, Nate? I don't know. Okay, who knows, right? Yeah, knows? it's yeah. just okay. like if you get the oh, mystery wow. email, you have to report to this location at this time. Yeah, with, uh, I'm not sure. 40 pounds. I'm not sure how I feel about the 99 days thing. Kind of a cool gimmick and obviously made me be like, hey, can I get the wax? Because just in case. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. In the streaming culture, like, why, why, why cock block some shit, dude? Right. <laughs> you know? For the mystique. Why salt block, you know? Salt block. <laughs> why block your arteries and, and let us have the... Um, that is such an inter- interesting model. It's like a, a freaking time bomb. And the album's called Nine. So I'm behind it for uh, I love a good gimmick um, and, and people really should uh, pick it up. I bought um, I bought on Bandcamp, I think, five and seven. Uh, oh, okay. so and, good. I, and I feel like they're um, they're at this really interesting intersection of what a black indie rock scene would be. To me, it feels like a genre. Like if I were to imagine what a black indie rock scene would be from the UK, it feels like a genre to me. And I, I'm hoping that it's like ins- they're one of these groups that inspires others to make um, this kind of like genre less type of music that has the best of all the genres. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's danceable. I, it's, it right. can be rocky. It can be right. rappy, which I kind of agree with y'all. Right. It's, it's more spectacular when it's not rappy. Um, Damone, did you used to listen to Block Party? A little bit. A little that bit. was an actual Black UK indie rock. rock yeah, right. My, sure. I, I just, there's too much soul and funk in this to, for me to call it indie rock. And but like, a black, but a black indie rock would be infused with someday. soul and funk. Like that's that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what, if I, I can totally you. go there. There's that that woman vagabond um, who has she's a full on black 
indie rock artist like it's that there's a certain point at which it ceases to be rock because it's it's other things you can be genreless and you can be free but like what section of the record store would it be filed in like well this and, is, and this is not I, an indie rock record I, I under, is not an indie rock record. i right? i and i know that in the nate phylums of things that's the way it works <laughs> i respect it bro i respect it but what i'm saying here is that if uh i see a musical when i identify indie rock i see an approach and a musical freedom, which has not always been allowed to black artists and mm. they've been boxed into, you have to make funk, you have to make soul. Right. So when I hear salt, it's a new type of freedom, put another title on it, but I like, I like their approach and I'm hoping it can be inspirational um, to other groups, you know, in a way that the, you know, the great genre bending bands always are right. Mm. Like people, people want to seek to imitate it. So um, obviously big fans, here on the program we encourage you to buy it you have 92 days left or something (laughs) by the time time that you uh you hear this podcast um we're still creeping towards i made a promise to the bros that we would do a full out non-rap dad bod rap pod this year uh so we're gonna have to start Start calculating on that. Dave and Nate if have you like been that like, last three minutes of arguing. This is a preview of what's going to happen if we stop talking about rap, which we mostly agree on for five yep. minutes. If you want to hear us go back and forth over boards of Canada, stay tuned <laughs> for the uh, the dead. I don't know what we'll call it. We'll have to come up with a, a fly name for that. But we are we are going to do that this season. That is my my promise to y'all as a proof of concept. That the old bod soul pod. <laughs> Oh man, uh, who knows? We'll 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 keep workshopping it and get back to y'all. Uh, we've got a few more cups left. If if I'm not mistaken, maybe by the time you hear this or not, who knows? You should try though. Um, we've been very pleased with folks copping the mugs and sending us the photos. So we really appreciate all that type of support. Uh, we definitely uh, encourage you to connect with us on Twitter. At Dad Bod Rap Pod, um, I did not put this as a question of the week, but I'm going to do this as a post facto question of the week. Uh, go to at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter and share your favorite comps. I'm sure we missed uh, we missed some some comps in our earlier discussion, uh, so check us out there. We are I look also forward to reading mixes, playlists, and producer albums for about 40 tweets, and then someone will put a comp. <laughs> <sighs> Sammy. <laughs> Let people live, bro. Um, don't mind, Nate. You can post whatever you think is a rap comp, and we will just laugh at you privately. Um, so definitely connect with us there. We are on uh, Instagram at DadBodRapPod. DadBodRapPod is a proud member of the Stony Island Podcast Network, uh, where apparently we fuck with Jason Alexander now. I, I'm trying to... I'm I'm looking at the Stony Island stuff and I'm like, what? Like, wh- where is this coming from? Have you listened so, to that? No, not yet. Uh, or is it out? It made me stop. I watch two Seinfelds a night, though. I get a lot of Jason Alexander <laughs> in my life. Um, the the show that has been added to the roster is called Creativity in um, Captivity, I believe. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Jason Alexander happened to be the guest the week right, that it was right, added. Right, so, but it, right. it definitely was confusing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, looking forward to listening to the show. Uh, Mike was open. Mike Eagle, our patron, was uh, a guest 
an early guest of the show or maybe the okay. first guest of the show. So okay. I'm assuming that's where the seeds got planted. But like, yeah, I don't actually know that much about it and I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I will for sure. Absolutely. Because if it's a uh, Stony Island, it's a Stony Island sure shot, just <laughs> like a uh, dad bod rap pod. Shout out to Fatherhood's podcast. Uh, shout out to Can't Knock the Shuffle. All the great programming. Shout out to Open Mike Eagle uh, touring the nation doing rapping again, which is great to see. Uh, we look forward to seeing him when he comes to the Bay Area. Uh, so with that, that was episode 178, y'all. We hope you'd enjoyed it and you return next week for the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Don't be high with the audio.